The Crowncast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and that, of course, means you are listening to another episode of The Crowncast. And it's going to sound a little bit different today because I am out in the wilderness. That's right. I'm in the woods. I am uh, a little bit just south of the beautiful, beautiful bay of Monterey. And while I'm out here on vacation, I still uh, am aiming to to talk some football. And here to do that with me is Ewan. Hello, Ewan. Hello. Yeah, here to do it from a uh, much uh, much less luxurious location. But <laughs> um, yeah, happy to be yeah. here. <laughs> You know, I've reached that point in my life where I was never really a big camper. Like, I would enjoy like a hike in camp, hike out sort of thing. And, and I enjoyed that, and it was fun. But now I've reached the point that we're full-on glamping. Like, if anyone has not heard the, the phrase glamping, this is, this is glamour camping at its finest. You'll hear the sounds around me of people enjoying a pool, uh, a beautiful pool. Uh, we're in the hillsides just off the, the coast. So we have these gorgeous mountains around us. I'm I'm in an outdoor central location for this glamping event with fire pits and Wi-Fi. So we're in the outdoors, but we're like outdoors adjacent. Ewan, are are you much of a camper? Um, I'm kind of at that similar stage you mentioned there, where I put comfort as a real premium. Um, so uh, camping as the traditional version is just not something that I will willingly sign up for at this stage, especially where I am uh, in England, where you are very likely to encounter rain and then waterlogged grass. And then you're talking about the bathroom situation and showers, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It's, um, it's not so it's not particularly for me done it done it before for festivals things like that but yeah maybe maybe that's behind me now too much uh, too much of a premium on comfort which doesn't make any sense as to why i uh uh, choose to watch so much charlotte fc but yeah there we go that's just how it works (laughs) to not do the premium on comfort i will say you know if you ever do want to get out here this place is gorgeous i'm happy to to send recommendations if you if you uh, send me any form of private message, but we are going to hop in and talk about the football and obviously went and played Montreal. And if you have not heard the, the interesting attempt at a post react, I was pretty hot in the post react. And I realized it was just kind of the point where I had, had thrown my hands up and I have asked people before not to throw their hands up to, you know, to stay analytical, to, to ask questions, to say, why is this happening? And not to just put a blanket statement out there that just says, well, he's awful. And Christian Latanzi is garbage. And we're never going to be good. And everything is bad. And, you know, the truth is sometimes it just does feel like that. Especially in sports when your team is going through the sort of season, the sort of events that we've had. Charlotte FC just feels bad. The whole thing just feels bad. But the the one place that... We can objectively say, with lots of statistical backup, that we are bad is defense. Uh, you and you'll have to correct me, but at this time of recording, I believe we have something like 40 goals that have been have been allowed, and that is the the worst in MLS. Is that correct? Yeah, that uh, yeah, that is correct. And then obviously with the the way it's with games played, you can get into the uh, the goals conceded per game stuff, um, which. 
I don't think I think if anything that makes us look worse. But yeah, we are the only team in MLS to have uh, to have hit the forty goals conceded uh, threshold at this stage. Yeah, it's pretty dour reading. It's the type of statistics that you get into and you just go, hmm, I don't like statistics anymore. I think I'll do something else. So <laughs> here and and now you and you and I are both pretty, pretty analytical, pretty t statistical based guys. So I'd kind of like us to throw that out the window. We got a long break coming and that 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 mentality of, you know, what, this just in general isn't good enough. The whole thing isn't good enough is real so i'd like to i'd like to lean in and i'd like to take a look at this defense i'd like to take a look at the goalkeepers and just between you and i and the listeners feel free to you know leave comments etc with your thoughts about these players and whether or not they're good enough to be on a team that goes out and is successful in the mls and i think one of the questions we have to ask ourselves before we go into this this social experiment if you will is are we Ewan, do you feel like we should be setting this bar at, do these guys have what it takes to be, you know, consistent top of the league winners? Or do these guys have what it takes to be regularly successful, make solid runs in playoffs, but probably not the, the favorites to go win the thing? Which one do you feel like we should be shooting for? Um, I think the latter is, is probably fair. Um, not that, you know, we're, we're, tempering expectations of what we should be doing in the future um by by taking um what you mentioned there first off the table but i do think at this stage it is important to just kind of look at this team and, and rather than put the expectations right at the top just kind of say okay which of these players do we enjoy watching which of these players do we think can contribute to winning types of football um and then maybe get into a little bit of the the you know the styles of football that would suit the most yeah Okay, so let's let's go through it, and uh, I'm going to start with one that I think is going to be a relatively, you know, maybe it's more divisive than I think. I'm going to start with Harrison Awful, and Harrison Awful is long has been the brunt of the age joke on this podcast, and we haven't really treated it as a joke. We've said it for what it is. He struggles when it comes to some things that you need 22 year old legs to do. We know why he's not 22. The your thoughts on on Harrison Awful and does he have at this point in time anything that makes you think this guy under any circumstances could make it under under these requests? Um, I I think with someone like him, he's almost separated from the rest of the players that we'll talk about in the fact that his. His his role on this team is very kind of set out, not just in terms of um, a long term project. He he's here for this season, and then will likely uh, go into a coaching role, which it seemed like that was the laid out plan uh, when he signed his new contract. So it's not someone who will be looking at being a massive part of the uh, of, of the playing squad for for the years to come. But also in the fact that I think he has a primary function as a left back in this team when the left back is inverting uh in in our in our setup i think that's his primary function at the moment i think if you're playing him as a left back playing traditional left back it's going to cause some issues for you i think if he's playing right back as a traditional right back it's it's going to cause some issues again but he is actually quite good at the left back inversion stuff um he, just just by the just by the fact of him being experienced 
being a see like a coach is uh, like a real kind of well because he's likely going to going to become a coach someone who follows coaching instructions very well um understands positioning everything like that in a complex role he's just very he, he's very solid at that so that's why he's played so much this season in my opinion but yeah he's nothing really beyond solid at this stage he's not going to win you a game he's not going to have absolutely exceptional performances um, and he's not someone who's really part of the future in terms of a playing, uh, as far as a playing perspective goes. So yeah, he's almost separate from everything else. But I think it probably speaks volumes that if you are ranking our defender so far this season in terms of performance, he's probably quite high up, which yeah. is not what you would have wanted um, going into the season. If someone told you that, you would probably say oh, a, a few other guys maybe haven't progressed as we would have hoped they would have done. Yeah, problematic is the term I'm going to use. Uh, I think the thing that has impressed me about Harrison Awful is his first touch. He has a really good ability to bring the ball down, especially under pressure. He can get a ball zipped at him, and he can he can bring the ball down to where he needs it to be for him to succeed. And that matters a lot. Like, that first touch is one of the big problems that we see an issue when it comes to... Uh, ben Bender, you know, we see him struggling with that first touch. The rest of of Harrison's game, it, it at this point in time, at his age, it it is not capable of keeping up with the pace of play, with what is needed for the MLS. And it's really sad to say it, but I, I don't think he's he, he can make it. And obviously, at his age, I don't think anybody out there would be ex- expecting him to. I, I think it says a lot that we're relying on him so much. Let's go ahead and let's talk about somebody who is going to be a bit feistier between us, and that's Jan Sobocinski. Uh, you and you want to tell me why you think Jan is the best player in the MLS? <laughs> yeah, um, this this is again like you, you allude to there. Uh, it's maybe one of more division uh, when people speak about him, and I think that division comes from the fact that he is a player who is suited to a system that we don't really uh, encourage, don't really allow to let them thrive. But at the same time, they're also a young player that is going to have mistakes in them. Um, I say young player, I know he's not that young, but fairly young and fairly inexperienced. I think with him, and this may be a discussion that could easily go out the window quite soon because it is heavily rumoured that he will leave, which we've mentioned before, um, mm-hmm. But I think with him, and this kind of alludes to the idea of letting him go and it combines with his contract that doesn't have a lot of time left on it, is when you decide as to whether you want to keep him in the team, you are also, it's probably tacitly implied by a decision of what kind of team you want to be and how you want your defenders to play. Um, so in another system, uh, I, I think I think if uh, Miguel Angel Ramirez in, in a world where he's still here, and um, he hasn't fallen out with uh, seemingly uh, 50% of the people involved in the club. Um, he's he's the kind of head coach where he would thrive and he would look a lot better because uh, you're playing with fullbacks, playing more traditionally wide. He's playing in more space. His passion, uh, his passing options are, are more are more varied, and he's you know he's being asked to cover large spaces of of ground, which um, would be one of his uh, one of his stronger suits as a defender. He'd be more suited to that. But in this system. Uh, he's not quite as suited to it, and systems make players. So, 
Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think this is one where it's probably going to go out the window soon because he's going to leave based off his lack of playing time up until about a month ago where he became one of the more important players <laughs> out of our defenders. Um, but the contract situation and the rumours make it seem like he's probably going to leave soon and this debate maybe won't be as important as it could be uh, <laughs> at this moment. I- I think what you mean to say there is uh, when he became the only player left at Charlotte FC in central defense. Uh, when he became <laughs> yes. the only actual center defender, central defender left at Charlotte FC, he became very important. I am not as high on Jan as you. I think that he's probably... You used this terminology, and I'm going to agree with it. I think that he is our best progressive center back on the team. But, eh, and I don't... You know, I'm, I'm just going to come out and say it here. Uh, I think that he is the best progressive center back in the team the same way that I think like a a kiddie pool is the best swimming option when you are otherwise in a desert. Like, no, it just because he is functionally feasibly potentially usable. If you get all of the other systems just right, that to me screams a player that, has a long way to develop as a player. And that's not necessarily new in the center back role. Center backs, as a general rule, sort of develop into their really getting it right around the 28, 29 range. You know, we talk about 22-year-old center backs like Adilsa Milanda, who is in that range, and we go, these guys are basically kids. Whereas strikers in that range usually have to be pretty well developed. I still see Jan as the type of guy who is a great talent that is nowhere near ready to, to show that talent. I, I hold on to the statement that I think he is, he's writing checks, his abilities can't cash, and he believes he has the confidence in himself to do it, but he is not actually capable of doing it yet. And he needs to go learn. He needs to go learn in a team that defends well, not Charlotte FC. I, I think, honestly, for the development of him, I think he needs out of Charlotte FC, and I don't think he's good enough to carry us to winning right now. Uh, let's move on to uh, a very quick discussion about Bill Tuiloma. I don't think either one of us are going to be very positive here. <laughs> uh, no, likely not. Um, <laughs> but I think I think the thing is with Bill Tuiloma is um, is that. You know, people, we gave him a card after the game on Saturday. I gave him that card. It was the first card out of a few that we dished out. Um, he's got cards before this season. His performance generally is is not well thought of. There's a lot of obvious errors in there. But having said kind of all of that, I do think that there is a role for him as depth in a team that could be quite successful. But within that, you're kind of tacitly implying that he's not someone no, that you can yeah, rely yeah. on in a major I'm not, way. I'm, I'm not going to let you get away with being nice, Ewan. Uh, you know, <laughs> this is Ken, and this guy is this the guy that carries us to the future? So, so none of this like, oh, well, if he's the fifth defender off the bench, maybe. Uh, yeah, give it. Give us your, <laughs> no, your I get, Yeah, I get what you. I, I I get what you mean with that. I just I feel like um, there's there's just a lot of like, like everybody knows that he's struggled. So I'm just. I suppose just trying yeah. to give maybe a little bit of a positive perspective before I kind of go in and do the full um, sort of an- analysis of, of how he is as a player, this, which if we're looking at him from now, the perspective. I was going to say, this is now just two feet studs up, so so no need to be too polite. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I just I think um I think that he was a player who was brought into the club in a real sort of emergency situation out of a desperation and need for a centre back. And maybe within that there is a an explanation for why he was quite what for why he was available just before the start of an MLS season. Like people were pretty happy that we were able yeah, we, we, we people were pretty happy that we were able to get him in when they looked at his just general experience. Like, oh, he's he's had this many games in in MLS. He's a he's an international player. All this, whereas maybe that that might have sounded off some uh, some concerns of like, oh, this is a team that's quite you know quite happy to part with a player. Um, I think it's a couple of weeks before the season, <laughs> um, uh, which uh, usually means like if you're getting a decent kind of return for a player or something like that, then you could say, okay, they got a, they got an offer they couldn't refuse and. Maybe in this case they did get an offer and they couldn't refuse, but I think that the offer they couldn't refuse was like quite a non-substantial amount of general allocation money. If I don't have that wrong, um, I yep. think that was what we uh, gave for Bill Tuloma. So yeah, he's a very he's a he's a he's a below average um, defender for the MLS level. Um, and yeah, if you're talking about below average for MLS level, you want someone who maybe has some flaws in other areas, but is quite consistent. He isn't consistent. He has a lot of errors in his game. And yeah, that makes him hard to be a starter, not only for a team that's looking to be successful, but even just for a team that's looking to hit the bar and and be an average team. Yeah, you unfortunately stole what I was going to say, and that is he was brought in to be a patchwork hold on. I mean, ultimately, this is a guy who struggled before, has experience in the MLS and struggled during those experiences was brought in at a time of essentially panic. You know, I, I think the right thing to call it is panic uh, to, to to keep the boat afloat. Not for, you know, this is the spare. Sounds so, sounds so mean, but he was the emergency spare tire purchased at, at, at the, the random shop on the side of the road to get your car to where you can go and get a new tire that's safe and secure. And we are treating him like the type of player and we're playing him in minutes that are like the type of player that is there to win you the Formula One race. He is not that guy. He's never going to be that guy. He was brought in to be a patchwork holdup. And guess what? He is playing like someone who was brought in to be a patchwork holdup. And it is not going to be good enough. I think we can kind of leave it there on Bill, and we're going to go into somebody who I think has a lot of fan support in Jalen. And I'm going to jump, I'm going to go first on Jalen just to sort of switch things up here. And Jalen has something that I believe can take you to the top of MLS. And that is Jalen has a drive up the field and an ability to support the, the attack that I think is good enough to win with any team, no matter who. Jalen plays with if they can take advantage of that skill if they can use his superpowers like I like to call them and cover for his weaknesses I think Jalen has it obviously Jalen is suffering from the fact that he is otherwise in the worst defense in the league and he of in and of himself as we saw in some of the the last games is not a perfect defender he's a very young man playing a very high pressure role and he makes mistakes he makes young man mistakes what I have seen from this guy is he has both a left and right foot to an extent. 
He has the ability to cross. He has the ability to pick out a, a, a switch ball. He has the ability to dribble. He has the ability to make defenders run backwards. Uh, he has the ability to interconnect with the wings and the midfield. And he is fast enough that when a ball goes over the top, he can retreat back and keep pressure and not just let a man get, be completely free. He has that, that recovery speed. His fatal flaw is the fact that he's not an established and not a highly skilled defender in a defensive position, and Charlotte FC can't cover for that. So, so my opinion on Jalen Lindsay is I, I think he's good enough. I think Jalen could stay with any team that goes on and helps, helps cover for his flaws. Ewan, thoughts on Jalen? Yeah, I think when you when you discuss Jalen, it's almost um, like I mentioned earlier with Jan Sobosinski, the, the systems making players, um, and and this system, we ask our fullbacks to do something uh, quite particular usually, which earlier in the season was uh, invert. Then as the season progressed, it was we we started this three two shape where the centre back would go into the midfield, that centre back being Derek Jones. And now we're in a situation where the fullback said now inverting again. So either way you want it, uh, the fullbacks are playing a role which is not something that most MLS teams do. Compare it to a team like we played uh, in Montreal uh, on uh, on Saturday. And uh, I believe it's Aaron Herrera who plays in the right back slash kind of right wing back, right mid role for them. Like I think, if you put Jalen Lindsay in that role for that team, they get better, uh, and and that's not to speak on Aaron Herrera, who I think is kind of like a a very, you know, very kind of average sounds bad in this instance, but I mean average is like within the right in the middle of of standard of player that you can expect um, uh, for that role in MLS, and I think if you put Lindsay in that role, that team gets better. That right wing back role where there is a freedom to get up into the attack and make that a four or five man line of attack. Um, the fact that he's defending a lot of space, which I think suits Jalen Lindsay defending space rather than defending directly man, uh, kind of man on man, uh, directly being dribbled against by a winger. You're playing more in a, a system defense where it's like, be here at this time, be there at this time. Um, so yeah, I think you're right in the fact that you say that he could be a part of a good team. But the difficult reality is that maybe he can't be a part of a good team playing this system, uh, which then obviously brings in the bigger questions about the coaching staff and, and the way we want to play the games. But just as a player assessment, I think you're right. I think he can be a part of a team that is successful. And the other thing that he's got on his side is not only that he has that at this stage, but also he is pretty young. <laughs> he's, um, he, he's in his age 23 season. And for a fullback, yep. um, I think that prime is coming probably in a in a couple of years' time. So he's still room in terms of conventional development to get even better. So yeah, I absolutely think that he can be uh, a player starting for a good MLS team. It's just whether he can do it in this system. Yeah. So I am going to move us on now to Carujo, and I'm going to do the first one on Carujo again because I have I have traditionally been a very strong defender of Carujo. Hey, defender of a defender. Uh, I have <laughs> traditionally really enjoyed seeing Karuha's play and have not seen it since he's come back. Since he's come back, I see... Since he's come back, I have given... I have seen him look a lot like I view Yon, where he's starting to write checks he can't cash. 
And when you are a center back and you are writing checks you can't cash, you ultimately, uh, your check gets bounced, the ball goes by you, and players go one-on-one with the keeper. And I think that he has gotten bailed out, as has Jan, by the fact that Christian Kalina is an incredibly skilled one-on keeper. But we talked off mic, and we will talk later about the fact that you don't want to have to deal with one-on-ones. Just because you happen to have a keeper who is quite good at them doesn't mean you should, like, lean in and go, well, well, if we just let always go one-on-one with Kalina, we'll be fine. Like, no, that is not how that works. And I struggle right now with the memory of who this player was and the acknowledgement of this player is. And if Guzman Carujo is healthy, and this is who he is, he doesn't have much time left to sort of reassimilate. And if he isn't healthy, and he's just being pressed back into service, we're just making it worse. So it's not working right now. His step-up defending style is leaving the back door open. Uh, he's not winning his step-ups. He's not getting those same cutouts that we would expect. And he's getting turned, which is one thing that when he was playing for us last year, he was not getting turned. He's getting turned now, and it's concerning. I, I don't think this is the guy. Ewan? Yeah, we um, we touched on this a little bit in the post-react in terms of, you know, we gave him a card. And we said, is this someone who's even kind of, is he healthy? Is he fit to play? Um, Because he's come back from a major injury and he's had these situations where he's getting subbed off at games in the 60th, 65th minute, subbed off in around the 30th minute um, in the first half of the game on Saturday. Like that that seems to be the big question at the moment with him. Uh, But I think with him, you can ask questions about that in terms of certain things and, and use that as an excuse potentially. Um, but I do think that there are still weaknesses in his game that he has shown this season, which also are consistent with what was there last season, even though I know a lot of people think he was very impressive last season, um, which he was um, in, in certain areas. Uh, but there's there's progressive passing stuff, which um, is an issue. There's that over-aggression that you mentioned there that is an issue. And the problem is, and this maybe goes again back to the system um, question, he, there, is a, there is a team out there where he can be in it as a starter and they could be successful. But you're, I think it's probably quite... You and you're too... Yeah, I know. I'm just trying. Yeah, everybody yeah. would succeed in another team. You can't say they would all succeed no, in another they, team. <laughs> they, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. This version of Harrison Offal, I don't think would. This version of Bilti Loma, I don't think would. You know, there's players. I don't. I don't think that every single player has a system where they could play, be a part of a, a successful MLS team. And to be honest, I think that the version of that for Carujo is like very, very niche. So I'm not saying that it's an impossibility, but I will say that the teams that are usually successful do not play the version of football, which Guzman Carujo would be most successful in, which would be five at the back, fairly deep line, allowing him to take chances and bite on certain situations. You know, those teams, uh, they play in mid table uh, in, in most situations in MLS and in most leagues across the world of football. I think in a four at the back, uh, I think in a four at the back uh, setup with a player like Carujo, you are seriously taking a gamble. Um, and yeah, I just I did. I, you, 
you there need is a, there is a harsh dis- there is a there's a harshness aspect to this. I'll just say this in terms of him coming back from this injury, because I don't want it to be a case of he comes back after so long and, and, and people are writing him off after a month. And maybe this makes me seem even harsh about him because I'm here like, no, don't worry. I'm not writing him off after a month. I, I didn't think he was that good anyway, which I know I'm in the minority with. But <laughs> I was yeah. writing him off always. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that makes it sound even worse. But I just I, I don't want it to be like a case of recency bias against a guy who's come back from a major injury. But I just think that he has serious flaws in his game, which are hard to overcome for teams that make it at the top level because of the way that they play. They play very high up the pitch and they need defenders to not only be consistent, but not add more risk into situations where you're already taking a risk by how many players you're committing to the attack. So, yeah, in terms of that, rest defense-wise, and in terms of the fact that I don't think he's very good in build-up for a team that would likely, you know, teams that are, are, are good usually are good in build-up, and I don't think he can be a part of that. Yeah, I, I struggle to see the version of a good MLS team that has him in it. Although I do think it exists in a very niche way, I don't think it's something that I'd be banking on a good team doing. Okay, I, I'm going to move us on here, and I'm going to go on to Adilson Melanda, and I think... One of the things I'm going to say about Adilson, because I generally rate Adilson, uh, I, I think of him quite highly. I think he's young. I think he's tenacious. I think he's got relatively good on-the-ball skill. He connects relatively well. He positions quite well when you put him on his side of the field. When you put him on the other side of the field, he's regularly facing the wrong way and not great at positioning <laughs> because he doesn't know what's on the other side of the field. <laughs> but he's a young guy. He's got time to learn that skill set. I think the skill set he does have is indicative of a young man who is not just able to play at the MLS level right now, but capable of growing to really being fantastic at the MLS level. And unlike a lot of these guys who were talking about specific skill sets that that could make it, he's kind of just generally good. He doesn't have anything about him that you look at and you go, this one thing means that if you could build other people around him, he's good enough. He's just good enough. I, I just, I do genuinely believe, and there is obviously the caveat that the best player in football is the one who's not playing right now. But hmm. I genuinely believe that, that this young kid, aerially, he is strong enough. Physically, he is dominant enough. Physically, he's fast enough. You know, uh, from a mental perspective, he keeps good track of the game. I haven't really seen him panic. I think I've seen one or two moments of panic, and there's going to panic twice in a season no matter what, no matter how old they are. I think this guy can do it. I think I think that where he is now is good enough to play as a starter on an MLS team, and I think that his ceiling is, you know, a very, very, very good MLS player, and maybe even a little bit beyond that. You and uh, thoughts on Ndeals Melanda? Yeah, I think it's fair to say that he is our best defender. So if we talk about him and <laughs> we say we don't think he can be a good defender in a good team, then we're real we're really onto a loss, aren't we? <laughs> if that's I mean the we're case. kind of already onto um, a loss. Like look at what we've said we, so far. We, Oh yeah, we we we're, we're not in a good position. But um, at the same time, the whole thing that about this team and the squad building is the idea of oh well, eventually we'll be good at some stage. We're building for the future. So if our best defender, who happens to be young, hasn't got a chance, then we are in a tough 
maybe even a tougher spot than people realise. But I, I agree with you. I, I do think that he is someone who can be um, a starter for a good team. Um, so we are in the we're thirty we're thirty minutes into this podcast, and we just found one guy who's injured. Who we go? Yeah, he could do it. So that's just just in case you wanted to know how inspired we are, like in general. Uh, that's a pretty good summation of our inspiration rating right now. Uh, let's let's step ahead. I do want to say really quickly on both Carujo and Adilson Melanda, being healthy is a skill, and yes, it's a skill that you cannot necessarily choose for yourself. I myself am not the healthiest human being in the world. I get sick more than most people. And I didn't choose that for myself. But what, what it does is it does mean that I am not going to be a professional athlete. Right? The ability to yourself, your body, just by dumb luck, be robust to you know, survive the rigors of the game. Sometimes there is an element of are, are, are these people just enough even if they do everything right and for Adilson Melanda there is a question of if this guy is regularly healthy for you know three seasons in a row or if what we've seen from him this year where he's been out for long periods of time is the norm things change in that perspective and the same goes for Guzman Guru, Jalen Lindsay everybody let's move on uh and we will talk about Joseph Mora because I think that'll be pretty quick uh Joseph Mora not good enough the end Ewan <laughs> um he's a left back he's uh maybe our only <laughs> left back so maybe we're maybe we're at the stage of uh of of dealing with this team where it's you know we're back around so hey give him a go that's that's more a reflection of where we are as a team than uh, <laughs> uh how we think of him as a player though but it does seem that that is what uh struggling teams do they do usually go in this carousel of oh give, give this guy a go and then He's bad, and then the guy who was bad in the first place hasn't played for six games, and it's like, oh, maybe they weren't as bad as we remember. And then they come in, it's like, oh no, they were. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit of a uh, renaissance, uh, if that's the right word for, uh, for for Mora in this team, or at least uh, I'll just say comeback because I know that that isn't the right word for this. Um, no, and renaissance can, and, and, is, is absolutely right. Is it right? I was going to say I was I was kind of second guessing yeah. myself. Um, I mean, so. N- no, that that would absolutely be if he comes back and he's good. good that would absolutely be if he and he's just Mora. Which would, unfortunately, yeah. I I think he <laughs> will be. It will still be a renaissance, like a, a rather sad one, I guess. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I think I, when I said renaissance, I was like that. I I imagined him coming back and being fantastic, and maybe he can come back and be fine. Like his game at the st- yeah. in the first game of the season against New uh, New England, it was like. Oh wow, that's actually not too bad. And then Bronico played left back in the next game against St. Louis, and we just didn't really get Mora again. So I don't know. But yeah, from what we have of Mora so far, he's not someone who you feel that confident in as a player, is he? So yeah, I'm kind of happy to uh, uh, to to put him down as someone who wouldn't be a starter for a good MLS side in the future. Yeah. Now, uh, for the the sake of time here, I do think we're going to skip ahead. And, you know, maybe next time we'll talk about the goalkeepers because I think there's some pretty quick discussions we can have about the goalkeepers. But I do want to touch on what ultimately happened at Montreal. And I've given myself 30 minutes to to sort of make peace with the fact that I'm going to have to talk about it because it was ugly. It was not good. And, you know, the first goal that goes against us happens in what, like the 28th minute, something like that. 
uh, I ha- I can go look it up very quickly, but it's not worth it. Two goals happened in succession. 20, yeah, yeah, twenty ninth minute, and then the second in the thirtieth uh, or thirty first. Yeah, yeah, quick succession goals, and you know we bring a lot of statistics onto this podcast. We bring a lot of of talking about things and and ideas that people might not have have thought of. And I don't like to give people homework, but sometimes I think it feels it's more impactful if you go and and find something for yourself. So I'm going to give everybody who's interested a little bit of homework that you might discover something. And that is go look up bounce back percentage. Um, In general, bounce back, bounce back is when something bad happens, the best teams in the world find a way to make something good happen. And Charlotte FC is abysmal at bounce back. They are awful. They are horrifically bad at bounce back. And you can even go and you can look at things like, you know, momentum graphs. Like, who had the momentum in the game? And when another team scores against Charlotte FC, it's never, you never see the momentum swing back to Charlotte FC who goes on the attack. It never happens. It's always 20 minutes of Charlotte FC just getting their face kicked in for after they have just conceded a goal and if they survive that 20 minutes of getting their face kicked in after they have conceded a goal sometimes they'll go up the field and get another one very very rarely does charlotte fc lose a game and come back and immediately dominate their next opponent and put and put themselves back on a winning streak very very rarely does charlotte fc drop a goal and immediately turn around and get another one it has happened. You know, there are a couple of famous moments, but Charlotte FC does not bounce back. And a part of that is we play our own box. And I, I know that some of this is a manner of the defensive shape that we are trying to create is is very complex and requires a stable team of highly skilled players. And we have just discussed that we don't necessarily think the players that are here right now suit those skills. And we have just discussed the fact that we're constantly in so it's never been stable but whether Christian Latanzio is setting this team up to to have to play out of the back and always you know be in their deep field or whether these players are doing that to themselves that's where we are and I have said it before I will say it again eventually in every game there's a moment of luck and if you are playing in your defensive box it's bad luck for you and good luck the other team and if you are playing their offensive box it is good luck for you and bad luck for them and it is just ultimately moments of luck and they get in as they had done before they get in as they will do again later in this match and a ball comes across the box it gets popped out to a waiting montreal player i believe it's one of the young kids who has the easiest happen in his entire life and ultimately what happened is a ball popped out there was a moment of luck and because Charlotte FC likes to play in our own box almost almost into perpetuity, it was a moment of bad luck for us and good luck for them. And there comes a point where, where we have, we've read this script. Uh, Ewan, do you want to say anything about this one, or do you want to take us into the second goal? Um, no, I, I, I think you've, you've done a good job kind of uh, explaining that first goal there. It's... Uh... It is the kind of goal that you do see, and this might seem a little bit of a lazy thing to say, but it is the kind of goal that you do see bad teams concede um, because it's the combination of playing deep within your own half and, in this case, deep within your own box. Um, 
by virtue of the fact that you're not very good. But also the combination of doing that and then not actually being good at box defending. One of the things which teams who are not very good by the fact that they don't have that much talent but end up overperforming the talent of the squad, one of the things that they are very good at is box defending. So if you go through most of the teams around the world and teams in MLS who will perform above the uh, ability of the uh, of the talent on the squad, yeah, box defending is one of those things because you're going to spend a lot of time defending your own third and by a result of that defending your own box and we're not very good at that. So yeah, it gives us serious issues. This is an example of really bad box defending. Um which there were plenty of examples of that in this game, and there are generally plenty of examples of in other games that we've played this season. So, yeah, it's a bad combination to be a bad team that sacrifices that much space and then be bad at box defending. So, yeah, it's uh, it's not great. Not ideal. Let's, uh, let's go into the second goal, the over-the-top ball. Tell us what went wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is simultaneously a goal that is very simple, but also uh, has complexities within it in terms of assessing your own talent and assessing the way that you want to play. So, you know, to, to kind of explain this goal in, in fairly simple terms, um, the ball is played long by Montreal from, I mean, it's, it's just outside their own box. Um, and... Suddenly, <laughs> you see uh, the striker coming through on goal, uh, getting ahead of Carujo. And as you're watching it, people probably had a similar experience of like, oh, that's the centre forward. Um, and that's uh, Guzman Carujo, <laughs> which probably means that there's no one else further back. So suddenly, from that situation, we've got off or getting ahead of Carujo. And now he has 40 yards free um, once he gets to this ball. <laughs> to uh, to have a one on one, and one of the things that would have would have come up for people in that situation would have been potentially, where's Kalina in this situation, which gets back to a point that we have touched on a fair few times uh, in terms of Kalina not having much of a presence as a sweeper keeper dealing with those balls over the top. But the main thing with this is because of the fact that we've spoken about this so often with Kalina is that it now becomes a coaching thing of. If you're going to play a goalkeeper who has made it very clear that they are not going to deal with situations like that and you're going to continue to play him because there is obvious upside in terms of the shot stopping, then you need to make adjustments around that so that we're dealing with those kind of balls in other ways. And maybe this seems like a harsh critique because it comes from an innocuous situation like a ball just being cleared from their defenders from, like I mentioned, just outside their box. But it's obvious that that's something that's being targeted. It seems like a, a clearance that is just like, oh, defender has the ball, get it clear. Or, you know, uh, there's not really anything on here possession-wise. We're getting the ball clear. We'll get out the field and gain field position. You'd have to... It, it's very... You'd, you'd, it's very obvious now that this is something which teams know can be targeted as an outball. We have outballs in terms of... Oh, Cohen Vargas staying pinned on it on a, on one of the on the right wing usually or, or on the left wing in in other cases this season, um like on uh, like on Saturday where it's like oh if we have a situation like this we can get the ball out there we have a quick winger who if he gets on the ball can cause damage so yeah our out ball is there whereas the opposition out ball is just anywhere within that space because we offer it so what's the adjustment now usually it'd be that we have to play our defensive line ten to fifteen yards deeper 
but we're trying to be a possession team. So we're playing that defense quite high up the field because we want to establish uh, possession in the opposition box. Um, so it's just, it's in the situation now where it's got to the point of coaching. You can blame Kalina for not coming out, but he hasn't come out and dealt with these kind of situations multiple times. We've played this high line really often and it hasn't worked. And the only times where we've had solutions out of it is when we've played um, Jalen Lindsay as the right back in it with the understanding of maybe this sacrifices some stuff in possession, but it's vital for us to have him there because he has that recovery pace. Well, he was on the bench in this game and he might have been useful in this situation. Maybe not because of the way that we shaped up. But if you put him in the team and you reshape the rest defense a little bit, then yeah, like I mentioned, you're sacrificing your in-possession stuff a little bit. But it probably prevents situations like this, like it did uh, a few weeks ago. I think was it we were playing at home against uh, Seattle. And we had a few situations. And maybe this seems stupid because we conceded three in the game. But we had situations where the ball was played over the top. And we had Jalen Lindsay there who was dealing with... Um, with those balls into that area, or at least helping to get to the man who was getting onto the ball in those situations. So yeah, this just kind of goes back to a point which we've made over and over again as to like, this is just giving teams free one-on-ones seemingly once every two games at least. And it's just really, it's a really unsustainable like chink in the armor or just a really, I don't even know how to phrase it. It's like a really unsustainable, it's like a cheat code in a game. Just like you can, you know, just hit it long and you'll get a free one-on-one. It's, um, I just, yeah. It's not something where the solutions aren't obvious for it. We have kind of had them. And there's also solutions which we haven't tried yet, like adjusting the defensive line. But this this is something which is really obviously a fault of our team. And it can continue because we've conceded the most goals in the league and this is a serious contributor towards that. Yeah, it's definitely something that needs to change. We are going to go ahead and start to wrap it up there. Obviously, we have a pretty big break in the schedule as far as the MLS is concerned. Uh, We are going to be playing FC Dallas pretty soon uh, in the League's Cup. So we may be talking to you after that. But uh, we're not going to do a look ahead just yet. There's going to be plenty of stuff to put on the docket for the next couple of Wednesdays. It's been a little bit of a sleepy one. Uh, Definitely, I think everybody has kind of come down a little bit from the the massive run of games. And I obviously have gone on to vacation. We hope that you guys have found some time to to rest from, from all of the football that has been played. Uh, I think that is a good place to go ahead and sign it off. So as ever, you can find Ewan on Twitter at uh, stillness underscore speed. Thank you, Ewan. Thank you. It was a uh, a pleasure to talk about the current situation. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter at that football guy. You can find the Crown Cast on Instagram at that underscore or at the underscore Crown underscore Cast, and on Twitter at the underscore Crown Cast. And that's it. If you have decided to spend your time with us, we love you. Thank you so much. And we will talk to you again next Wednesday. Goodbye. Queen City Podcast Network.com.